than mine. We have a special guest with us tonight, this, tonight, this, this morning. Jason and his wife Anna are with us today. Jason Holland is the head of Joshua Nation. Uh, Joshua Nation is one that goes throughout the world touching lives. Uh, Jason has a long list of credentials behind him. He's working on his doctorate right now. The, uh, the biggest thing that he, that he does is he takes and leads Joshua Nation. That is the biggest thing in his heart, outside his family, and touching lives. And they don't just send people out across the world. They take, and when they go out, they raise up local pastors and people up to take and touch the lives in their community. In fact, we at Church Briargate use some of their uh, material. Uh, the shepherd, shepherding and uh, shepherd class that I teach, we use their material for discipleship. Excellent stuff, great stuff for us uh, to use as a church. It's stuff they use around the world and really appreciate the quality that they have. We have Billy, who is part of our body, that is part of Joshua Nation. Many of you know him. And so Joshua Nation is not unfamiliar with Church of Briargate. And we have a video we want to show, and then Jason will come up and share from his heart what he has for us. There is only one way to be saved. According to the words of Jesus Christ, He is the only way. No one can get to the Father except through Him. And yet, over one quarter of the world's population has not had the opportunity to hear the words of Jesus, and little to no mission efforts are being made to reach them. They are the Frontier People Groups. Frontier People Groups are distinct ethno-linguistic peoples with no measurable Christian population living amongst them. No church, no church planning strategy, no missionary or missionary team, no engagement to see these thousands of people groups one for Christ. Oftentimes, frontier people groups have remained lost and untouched throughout known history. They are primarily found in difficult places, like the Amazon of South America, the North African Sahara, the heart of the Middle East and the jungles of South Asia. The primary problem starts with the lack of efforts being made with our tithes and offerings to reach them. The vast majority of funds for missions are focused where churches and missionaries are already planted and growing. Furthermore, every $100 given in tithes and offerings yields less than one cent towards reaching frontier people groups. Of course, we must continue presenting the gospel to all those who have yet to follow Jesus, but we will need to adjust our focus if we want to give the population of frontier people groups the opportunity to make that choice. 
a population consisting of over 2 billion people. Revelation speaks about a great multitude of tribes, nations, and languages, too vast a number for anyone to count, being represented before the throne of our God. It's the church's purpose to go into all the world to reach these great multitudes. Who better than the indigenous leaders trained in the Word of God to reach their unreached and frontier neighboring communities? Indigenous leaders already know the language, they know the culture, and with the heart of Christ, they love their people. As you give strategically toward efforts to reach frontier people groups, it provides for the equipping of local leaders in the form of teachers, resources, and church planning materials. Jesus didn't call himself the way, so we would stop at presenting the gospel. He's inviting us to follow him, to become and to make disciples. This isn't an ideology or a suggestion. It is the Great Commission, and we will accomplish it on this earth. For the frontier people groups, eternity is at stake. But together, with the Holy Spirit's help, we will see millions, and possibly billions, born again. Good morning, everyone. I'd like to recognize my friend who's received a haircut since he shot that video on the announcements. You're looking good. Now, how many of you like concerts? Anyone go to concerts? Well, you know, the opening act usually isn't as good as the second one, so thank you for coming to the second act. The opening act was just mediocre, okay? But uh, I'm glad I can be here to be the, the main presentation. I'm kidding. I'm not talking about the worship. I'm talking about first service. Okay, well, it's an honor to be here with you. I'm so grateful for all of you, your church, the support that you have given to our ministry, Joshua Nations, for standing with us and praying with us and supporting the work to reach the unreached. As you saw in this video, there's billions of people who still have yet to hear the good news of Jesus. The frontier people groups represent about 2 billion people that are the, the last, the unknown. Some of them are undiscovered. They're in the Himalayas. They're in the jungles of South America. They're in the Sahara of North Africa as nomadic tribes. And many of them have never even heard the name of Jesus in the last 2,000 years that history since Jesus walked on earth. No one has ever been able to reach them. No one has ever been able to plant a church there. And my heart is grieved because with all of the resources and technology that we have, we still have a lot of work to do. Now, if you turn on the TV and you watch the news or you read the news on your phone or something like that, you realize that uh, we're not in a good place. Uh, things are looking bad around the world. And some of us are starting to look up into the sky and wonder, is today the day that Jesus is going to come back? Have you started doing that yet? And maybe you're looking out this window and thinking, man, that sure would be cool if he came down on, 
on the mountain over here, but uh, that's not what's going to happen. He's going to return in Israel. But we still have a lot of work to do before we start looking up. Revelation 5.9 and Revelation 7.9 says that there's going to be people from every tribe, tongue, and people group represented around the throne of Christ. And right now we still have several thousand people groups that are not represented around the throne. And that's why we do what we do. And we continue to go and take the gospel and mobilize and train national leaders within the nations, near culture workers who can take the gospel to these remote and unreached places. I want to thank you for your support for the Bomer family. And I know uh, they're a blessing to you. Yeah, you can clap for them. They receive money and gifts and food and gift cards as well. Amen? Amen? I don't know. I was trying to help you out. Thank you for praying for them as they uh, serve and give their lives for the sake of the gospel. In just a few weeks, uh, right after Thanksgiving, Vili will be heading off to Madagascar. And uh, I don't know if you know where that is. It's not an animated movie where he's going. <laughs> Although um, that would be fun, wouldn't it, if you had some talking lions and, and other animals. But uh, it's actually off of the coast of Africa and... There's a lot of work that needs to be done there. They'll be uh, doing some training with leaders, establishing some Joshua Nations Bible training centers, and also working with the locals to uh, plan some strategies on how to reach the three unreached people groups that remain on that island that have not heard about Jesus before. It's a hostile place, not the whole island, but those groups, and so pray for him and pray for his family as he's traveling. Uh, you can continue to pray for the rest of the Joshua Nations teams. We have people going all over the place. We have someone going to Cuba in just a couple weeks. I'll be going to Nicaragua. I'll be taking uh, my friend James Chaco, who's also part of our staff. And then we'll be going to India. Or Shortly after that, uh, we have one of our team members who will be going to Pakistan. Uh, we have a team that just returned from South Sudan. And uh, we continue to go all over the place. But uh, I just want to say thank you uh, for all of your prayer and support as we reach out to transform nations for the cause of Christ. Right now, around the world, there is still 42%, which is 3.38 billion. I know I'm throwing numbers at you through the videos and through these slides, but 42% of the world still has little or no access to the gospel. And so what can we do to change that? If you saw in the video, we give as a whole, and I'm not saying this church or us, but as a whole, the body of Christ gives in resources disproportionately to the need. About one-tenth of one percent of all money, Christian money, goes to the unreached places. What that means is less than a penny of $100 goes to reach the hardest, the last, the unreached. Now, will we continue to go to places like Mexico, Nicaragua, Germany, or wherever? Yes, we need to do that. But we also need to shift our mindset and shift some of our resources so that we are investing more into the places that have never had that opportunity to hear the gospel. Luke 10.2 says, The harvest truly is great, but laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. 
So yes, we need to pray that God would send more. We also need to pay. You know, people can't do this for free. I'm not taking an offering, um, so I'm just challenging you that you would listen to the Holy Spirit and do what you should do in your life. As the harvest is white and available for us to go and to see people come into the kingdom of God, we also must realize that the harvest is perishable. There's people dying every day that don't know Jesus, and we got to do something about it. And it needs to start with our homes. Think about your family. Think about your neighbors, people you go to school with, the people you work with. What are you doing to take the good news of Jesus to them? Because you never know when today will be their last day, when that will be the last opportunity for them to hear who Jesus is. And if something happens and they don't know, then their destiny is uncertain. Scripture tells us that without Jesus, we don't make it into heaven. And that's an unfortunate thing, isn't it? So let us be challenged. I hope to encourage you today with a few stories, challenge you through Scripture. Uh, but I do want, in some ways, that understanding the reality of the times and the reality of the need does sometimes bring a little bit of conviction. Not condemnation, but a little bit of conviction so that we can move forward and do what God has told us to do. We're committed to the 42% as a ministry of Joshua Nations. We're committed to seeing that Great Commission finished. The Great Commission requires a great response from every one of us. And when Jesus gives us something to do, we ought to do it well. We ought to do it with all of our heart. It shouldn't be an afterthought. Sometimes we do church really well. And I love the worship, uh, the video announcements, the presentation, the stained glass, everything. It's awesome. It's done with excellence. But what happens that matters most importantly is when we leave these doors and we go back out into the public. We go back out into our daily routines. How do we conduct ourselves and what do we do with our lives? That's what really matters. It's not about doing church. It's about taking the kingdom of God into the world. You know, most Christians believe that the church exists to serve their own needs. Most people come on Sundays or Wednesdays or whatever days you might come up here for additional meetings and think, I need to get fed. I need to be blessed. I need to be taught. I want to hear good music, which you guys did an awesome job. Thank you, worship team. But we don't exist to come and get fed. We exist to take the kingdom of God and transform lives, transform culture, and transform our nation. And so let me just encourage you that we're seeing God do this all around the world, and it can be done here. Even when it seems like we're losing the battle here in the state of Colorado or in our country, God is on the move, and he is bringing people to his kingdom on a regular basis. Through the ministry of Joshua Nations, we focus on a few things, discipleship and leadership training, reaching frontier, people groups, 
We also provide a bit of relief and some holistic uh, uh, change and some helps when, when needed. We do a few water wells and things like that along the way. But really our goal is to get the kingdom of God into the cultures. We also provide some training for some self-sustainable solutions. And um, we're, I'm not working on it, but uh, Anna and, uh, and Lindy and others on our team are working on resources for women in leadership as well. And we look forward to seeing that launched prayerfully next year. To date, over 200,000 people have been able to go through training uh, through Joshua Nations. We, we provide this systematic study to help transform lives and walk people through the Word of God. And that's been in 81 nations. And uh, amazingly, I could just watch you all day. This is fun. <laughs> now, usually I have a translator and interpreter that's in another language. So this is, a, this is a new thing. I've never had anyone sign and interpret that way. How cool is that? You know, it'd be a great idea. You, would you like to sign uh, on video for some of our trainings? Hey, let's do it. So over 8,000 Bible training centers have been established all around the world. And through what we're seeing, there's an incredible growth and a need for discipleship in the nations. Now, I'm going to steal from Billy, uh, but he said this specifically about Africa, but I see it all around the world. The body of Christ is a mile wide and an inch deep. And that, that's really indicative, not only of the African continent, but here, the American church as well. We have people going to big churches all around the country, and sometimes uh, even we are guilty of this where we come and we want to fill more seats. We want three services. We want four services. We want another building. But how deep are we really going in our own lives, and what are we doing to impact our community for Christ? I get to say these things and then drive back to Denver, so, and your pastor's not even here, so... Joshua Nations is a catalyst for transformation, and we just want to say thank you for praying for us as we continue to go to the nations. Be representatives for you, for this church, as well as many others, uh, to see the Great Commission become the Great Completion. This morning, I want to read from Isaiah chapter 49, verses 1 through 7. Now, if you have your Bible, you can turn there, or you can uh, listen or you can open your phone, or whatever you might do. Maybe you showed up just ready for the entertainment. I don't know. But Isaiah 49, verses 1 through 7. Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb. From the matrix of my mother, he has made mention of my name. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. And made me a polished shaft. In his quiver he has hidden me. And he said to me, You are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I've labored in vain. I've spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my just reward is with the Lord and my work with my God. And now the Lord says, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel is gathered to him. For I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant, 
to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to him whom man despises, to him whom the nation abhors, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship, because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and he has chosen you. Now throughout the Bible, we find a number of prophetic words that are both messianic in context, meaning speaking of Jesus, as well as prophetic words that are speaking to the current situation. And there are also words that should be considered and applied to our lives today as followers of Christ. This is one of those. This is a messianic prophecy. It's also a word that's given to the prophet Isaiah, speaking of their deliverance from, from captivity. And it's also something that we can look at and apply in our own lives. Now, Scripture sometimes is, or often, like a precious jewel or a diamond. When you hold it up to the light and you allow the, the light of the Holy Spirit to shine through and to illuminate it, you can turn it and you find that it's brilliant in different ways. Now, sometimes we look at Scripture and we read it, we think of it as a historical book or a novel or just something that's so distant that it seems disconnected from our everyday life. Now, I know when I'm in like Deuteronomy or Leviticus or, you know, one of those early books after Genesis, that's how I feel. I feel so disconnected, so distant, um, something that's so strange to me and to my culture. It's like, I don't even know what to do with that. You ever feel that way? Look at you, a bunch of liars. <laughs> you're either liars or you're sleeping. You read through genealogies and you're like, man, this really brings life to me. <laughs> yeah? No, I don't think so. But when we look at these things, we're like, okay, well, how do I apply this to me? We know that the Lord is speaking to Isaiah, and we find that the, the one who brings reconciliation and redemption, that will be Jesus. You know, Jesus isn't on the scene yet. This is a, a little bit before Jesus came to earth. Um, obviously, he's there with the Father, but this is a prophetic word speaking about reconciliation, about salvation, not just for Israel and not just for restoring the people, but also there's a key word there, a people group called Gentiles. Is anyone here a Gentile? Well, unless you're Jewish, you're a Gentile. So everyone, well, almost everyone's hand probably goes up. Do we have any Jewish people here? Are you Jewish? For real? Well, that's fascinating. We'll have to talk about that later. We want to know more. I have so many questions. In this passage in chapter 49, we see that God is displaying his heart for the Gentiles. Now, before Jesus came on the scene, everything we read about typically just points to the people of Israel. Restoring the lost of Israel, restoring those who've ventured off into captivity through rebellion. But over and over, beginning with Abram, 
We find that God is saying Gentiles. He's talking about nations. He's talking about people groups. He's talking about the ends of the earth. Interestingly, he had you and me in mind when this was spoken. And even better than that, you and I were in his mind back in Genesis. Genesis 8, Genesis 12. But you know what's even better than that? Before God even formed the earth and created Adam and Eve, he had you and me in mind. Now that blows my mind to know that the creator God, the God of everything, had us in mind before he even began to create earth, before he even created the first man, the first woman. He knew that there would be a need to bring reconciliation. Now, let me pause there for a moment because I know I'm in Assemblies of God Church, so I know you're not all Calvinist, and some of you probably lean a little more Armenian. So does anybody know what that means? Some of you just look at me with blank stares. Okay, well, let's venture off. Uh, Pastor Rick challenged me earlier. He said, you know, you're working on a, another degree, and so you're probably going to use really big words. And I was like, no, I probably won't. But let's use a big concept. Foreknowledge is not causative. Yep, that's what I thought. <laughs> Just because God knew it was going to happen didn't mean he made it happen. Just because you make mistakes and God knew you were going to do that doesn't mean he made you do it. We still have that free choice, that free will. So it's interesting to know that God had already set up this plan of redemption knowing that we're all going to blow it. That's good news. He already set up a plan of redemption for those 42%, the 3.3 billion people that live today that don't know Jesus, his plan exists for them, and you and I are part of the plan to get the gospel to them. But a lot of times we're happy just sitting here, coming in on Sundays, living for God on Sundays, and living like we want the rest of the week. And so we must shift now, I'm not saying that every one of you has to go to the far reaches of the earth. There's places we go that uh, you can't go. There's places we go I shouldn't go. I was with uh, James in a particular village on the border of India and Pakistan years ago. And um, it was not safe, and we got run out. And uh, I don't think I can go back. Maybe. There's places we go that uh, we may not come back from, and uh, we volunteer and voluntarily give our lives for that purpose. Now, I'm not willing or desiring to go out and give my life right now. I am willing, but I'm not going to go just do it for the heck of it, because I still have a wife and children. But if that happens, then that, then it happens. So I would just want to ask that for you, as we are here in this body, as we're here in this wonderful and blessed nation, even if it seems like we're falling apart at times, that we do our part, that we reach our community, that we vote, that we stand for truth, we stand for righteousness, that we speak boldly, 
about the goodness of Christ. You know, I, I want to mention at the, at the back, um, as you're going out, sign that petition. We need to stand up for the good things. Otherwise, there won't be anything left to stand up for. We'll find ourselves in a position like many of our friends in other countries where there are no more freedoms and there's no ability to speak about our faith. Let's get back to Isaiah 49 for a few minutes. Hey, look at that. It all went white. Now it's back. Technology. You know demons live in technology? So I did have slides, um, but we're not going to do those because um, the guy who made them, gosh, I need to fire him. It was me. There's errors all in them, so we're skipping them. But we're going to look at Isaiah 49 for a couple minutes. God is calling every nation to hear his voice. If you look in that passage, you can follow along. He's calling for every nation, every people, every tribe to hear his voice. I'm reminded of a story, a friend who went into a, a remote village in the Philippines. In the islands of the Philippines, there's over 7,107 islands that comprise the Philippines. And uh, this missionary was able to hike up this mountain, journey on um, probably some kind of donkey or animals, a long, long journey, and finally made it up to this village and presented the gospel of Jesus. The chief wept and wept, surrendered his life, and the entire village got saved. And then shortly after that, the, the chief came to this missionary weeping again. And you would think this man would be weeping with joy, but he was weeping with sorrow. And he said, what has taken you 2,000 years to come to my people? And this man had the understanding that for the last 2,000 years, everyone in his tribe and people had died without Jesus, and their eternal future was not a good one. God is calling every nation to hear his voice. Right now, we have work in North Africa in the nations of Niger and Chad. Um, in these particular regions, if you're in the military and you watch any kind of news, you'll find that in certain parts of the continent of Africa in the Northwest, uh, there are people who attack our, our SEALs and other um, special forces. It doesn't make headline news, uh, but these are people like a radical Fulani herdsmen and um, the, the Moors, the Malayan Tamajek, and many others that are radical Muslim groups that have not heard about Jesus for 2,000 years. Uh, a friend of mine uh, who serves with us, not on our staff, but has another ministry, uh, we were there about 10, 12 years ago, and we were talking and said, what would it look like if we could win these people? About six, seven years ago, we said, let's do this. There's American missionaries who had been serving there for about 30 years, and they said, it can't be done. And we're just stupid and crazy enough to say, why not? Let's try. And so we began to work. We began to train indigenous leaders, raise them up, teach them how to plant churches, to do evangelism, to make disciples. And you know what happened after about uh, 
18 months of them serving, there are Christians among all of those unreached tribes that were radicalized, that were Muslims, that were attacking our uh, troops that were in that region. Every one of them began to turn to Christ. Interestingly, about two months before our workers got there, these were not white people uh, because we couldn't go, uh, but just before our workers got there, about two months, people in those tribes began to have dreams and visions of a man in white coming to them and saying, there's a better way. There is a better way. And a very simple, like just a couple line gospel message, and then that, that man would be gone. When our workers were able to get there, our evangelist church planters, they began talking about Jesus, and all of a sudden, these people said, this is the man that's been coming to us in our dreams and our visions. His name is Jesus. We want to follow him. Tell us how we follow him. They surrender and give their lives. They're not Christians. They just call themselves followers of the way. We would call them Christians, but they don't say, oh, I'm a Christian. Because they don't even know what that means. They are followers of Jesus. And now there's been mass conversions. This one particular tribe was able to meet their chief and the son. And the son was a radical Muslim and who was violent. But he started having these dreams and visions. And I got to meet him just a few months after he surrendered his life to Jesus, totally transformed. And now they come to us and said, we were once violent, hard, radical people. Send us to the hard ones. They're going further out into Libya, into Chad, into other places. And now there's, I think there's over 15 or 20,000 amongst these seven people groups who previously had never heard about Jesus, now given their lives to Jesus. And now we're seeing multiplication and movements happening. See, God is on the move, even amongst the radical ones that right now may want to kill you, may want to kill me. But God is revealing himself. His son, Jesus, is coming to them and presenting a better way. But we have to go and actually give them the gospel message. See, God has called all of us by name. As we look in this passage, he's called me by name. He's called you by name. He's called the radical Fulani by name. He's called the Moors by name. He's called the Tamajek by name. He's called the Hindus, the Buddhist. Every religious person, radical person, unreached and lost people. But he's also called your family your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers, your schoolmates by name. We have to realize this and realize also that he has asked us to partner with him, to labor with him to get the good news to them. What would have happened to these radical groups in North Africa if we had not got workers to them to tell them about Jesus? Then they would have just said, We've been having these strange dreams, strange dreams, been having strange visions. Did you know that's how the Quran was written? Through a guy having strange dreams and visions? But he didn't find truth. He ended up off on another path, and we're still paying the price today.
We must get the good news of Jesus to every tribe and tongue. We also see in this passage that the Lord has made our mouths or our, our words sharp like swords. Now, I'm very sarcastic, and uh, it's, it's an amazing blessing that we have a staff, we have a team uh, that uh, for some reason are willing to follow me or at least go with me and act like I'm the leader. I don't know. Because I can be so sarcastic, and other times I'm like, oh, wow, I'm sorry. But that's not the kind of sharpness that God has given us. He's given us that sharpness where we speak truth that penetrates to the hearts of people. And so they realize that this person is speaking truth and righteousness, and it's convicting, and the Holy Spirit begins to work in their lives. You know, some people like to use that quote or that phrase that, and I probably butcher it often, but uh, preach, but if you have to, use words. Did I get right? No? Close enough. What is it? Oh, you can't even, you can't get it either. Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Well... You know, we, we like to say, that's, that's great. That just means live your life on display so people can see Jesus in you. Well, that's good. But there's nothing in Scripture that gives us permission to not use words. In a culture where people really don't want to talk anymore, they want social distancing. You know, I still see people driving down the road in their cars with masks on. What's that about? In our culture now, we have to use words. They may look at you and be like, wow, that person's just really happy. They're always smiling. Why is Lindy always smiling? I don't know. But if we don't talk, we won't know. It's because of Jesus. We have to use words. and We have to understand that God has given us our mouths to speak words, to speak truth. As we carry through this passage, we see that he's protected us. He's hidden us in his hand. He's also formed us and polished us as arrows to be put into his quiver. Why would we be put as an arrow into his quiver? To be shot out, to be sent out. Now we must be prepared so that we can be sent out, so that we can be shot into the community, shot into the workplace, shot into the school system, shot into the other nations. God has chosen you and me to live in this time to be used for his purposes. But he's hidden us, put us in his hand, protected us so we can be used in this time. You may think that you're an accident to be living. You may think you're an accident to be living in this time. You may feel out of place, but you are right in God's place to be used for his glory. He calls us as his servants that we can display his splendor so that we can put his name on display. I was driving yesterday and um, they put some roundabouts in my town. How many of you like roundabouts? Six or seven of you. You know, the problem is, is most Americans don't know how to use a roundabout. For all the young people, do y'all know how to use a roundabout? What side do you yield to? You don't know. You yield to the left. 
Well, I was on the left, I was going through this roundabout, and someone come flying through on the right, didn't yield, and almost hit me. So I hit my brakes, I hit the horn, they hit the horn, and then they try to squeeze around me, so I block them in like a good Christian. <laughs> thinking I would display Jesus' splendor to them. I didn't give them any hand gestures, I did smile. That's what I do when I get mad. I smile and wave. Well, she didn't smile. She gave me a finger and honked and sped around me. And I thought, well, good thing I didn't react in an ungodly way. But I did feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit a little bit, like, are you sure? It's like the Lord said, are you sure that was the way I would have done that? I was like, well, I didn't, like, yell or curse or give a finger or hand gesture. And I didn't get a response from the Lord after that, but it was just kind of one of those checks, like, were you operating in the flesh when you tried to block him in? I was. We got to realize our lives are always on display. Now, I don't have Christian bumper stickers on any of my vehicles for that purpose. <laughs> Not because of me, but because one of the people in my family likes to drive real fast and aggressive. Oh, sorry. I know, she's, she's claiming it. If we need to get anywhere fast, we switch, she's driving. I put my head down and pray and get on my phone like nothing's happening. We are on display for his splendor. Friends, before we were even formed in our mother's wombs, God had a plan to use us for his redemptive purposes. As I work on landing this plane... I want you to realize that each one of us has a role and a purpose to be used by God for his kingdom. Now, for some of us, that may be going to a foreign country, going to Madagascar. Uh, my friend James, who has been a dear friend for 20 plus years and is now formally part of Joshua Nations, and I'm so grateful. He's been in some of the craziest places, dangerous places that I can't go, and I'm grateful that God has chosen him to go and serve people that need to know him, that need to be trained, need to be equipped. And you may be thinking, well, that's not me. Well, there is a purpose for your life. And God has specifically fashioned you to be used by him. Now, I can't answer what that is for you. Maybe it's to serve your community. Maybe it's to be a witness wherever you are. Maybe God has some great grandiose plans for you that you have not yet discovered. You know, I was sitting in a service kind of like this one time um, years ago, and that was when God began to speak to me about nations and missions, and I thought, what do I have to do with anything? But when I finally surrendered to him, he began to make the way open for me to engage more and more in ministry and serving others. So don't close the door. Allow God to open and close doors and to show you how he would use you. First and foremost, we must just be faithful wherever we are and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us. Realize that he has made us as servants in his light, that he's given us his strength. We find this in this particular chapter. And then the last thing that we see is that he gives us his favor. Now, sometimes I wish I had more favor when I got on the airplane. If you've realized, I'm a little bit taller than Billy, 
And uh, when I try to sit on a, on a seat in the airplane, my feet are usually in someone else's ears. <laughs> and when they try to lean back, my flesh rises up and I want to shake it like a toddler, but I don't. But we are favored by God and man to be used by him as long as we are willing, available, and surrendered. And sometimes that favor does translate into blessings like an upgrade or a, or a bulkhead seed or something like that. But realize that you go in his strength, you go in his favor, you go in his provision, and that God wants to send you. He wants to send you. I'm reminded of Isaiah 6 at the end of that. He just says, here am I, send me. What will you say? Will you say, here am I? Or say, no, Lord, send them. I don't want to do anything. I'm happy where I am. But let me just challenge you today as I close, that you would be available to be used by God however he would use you, that you would open your mouth, that you would walk in faith, that you would believe in him and believe that he will work in you. Some of the most powerful and awesome testimonies and miracles I've been able to witness have been those weird or even inopportune times when God said, Jason, I just want you to do this. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. You got a gas station and God says, walk over there and tell that person I love him. I was like, no. How awkward is that? Or in the middle of a church service to go to someone put their arm around him and says, Jesus just wants to know that you to know that he loves you. And then you find this person just trembling and shaking like, Lord, I don't understand your ways or your purposes, but I will be available for you. I'll be available. That is my challenge for you today. Will you be available for him? And as we see as the Lord commissioning the prophet Isaiah, commissioning this great commission salvation, reconciliation message that you would find your place and participate in his work. Would you do that? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing in the nations. Lord, I want to give you glory for what you're doing in North Africa, for what you're doing in South Asia, for what you're doing in the jungles of Amazon through our friend, uh, Pastor Resende, as they've reached some unreached tribes. Lord, I want to thank you for all that you're doing in every remote place of the earth. I pray that you continue to reveal yourself in dreams and visions. But Lord, as the harvest is ready, we know that it's also perishing. I pray that you would use us, send us, help us mobilize resources, help us build the body of Christ so that we can participate in this end time harvest, that none will be lost. Lord, I pray that you would use each of us right where we are now to our friends, to our family, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to our schoolmates. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us, intervene, interject yourself into our lives anytime, and that we would be found ready, willing, surrendered, and faithful to you to do your work. We thank you for that. We bless your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. A call to be engaged in our community, in our world, for Christ. 
as we often do, we pray for those who missionaries who come. I'm, I don't want just Jason and his wife Anna to come up, but I want Billy and his family and our brother here to come up, and we're going to pray over them as they touch the world. Welcome you to come up and, and lay hands on them if you'd like. Also, as we lift them up, as they go about the world. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we lift Jason and Anna and the Joshua Nation team, Heavenly Father, to you. Lord, as they go and they touch lives in the people groups that have not even heard who you are. Lord, we ask your blessing to be poured out upon them, the financial blessing for Joshua Nation, who gives away their material for free, just so the word of God gets out in the hands and there's no hindrance in it. As they travel around the world, Heavenly Father, as they touch lives and raise people up to touch those communities, Give them strength. Give them wisdom. Give them your protection, Heavenly Father. Lord, I ask that you'd stir upon our own hearts how we can come alongside Joshua Nation. Maybe we can go or we can give financially whatever the case is, Heavenly Father. Lord, we heard Jason's message to go to touch lives Time is short, and we need those to go into the fields and harvest, Heavenly Father. As Joshua Nation's people go, Lord, we thank you for the gift that they are, for the calling you've placed upon their life. We give you glory and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Keep pastor in prayer this week. Keep the uh, session in prayer. Reach out to Joshua Nation. There's ability out there as a table if you hadn't seen it on your way in. Billy or Jason or one of his team's going to be out there at ability to be able to donate and see what they do. Be engaged in your world. Locally, and however else you can around the world. For we are called by the Great Commission to not just get people saved, but make disciples of those nations. Amen. God bless you and keep you. Go, in your, go throughout your week. We'll see you on Wednesday. God bless.